podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about, frankly, how long do entrepreneurial journeys take? It's a question that I always had, and I still do. The question is, hey, person ahead of me that has many of the things that I want in my life, whether that be money, freedom, flexibility, whatever, how long is it going to take me to get there? There's always a question I had. And to, I don't know, try and shed some light on this inquiry, we're going to have back on the show a regular guest for the third year running. Uh, Kevin Graham is with us today, and it's been cool to watch his journey unfold on this show. So some of you might remember Kevin back on the show in early 2017. He talked about his first business that he co-founded, which was a portfolio of Amazon associate affiliate sites. So at the time, we were saying, like, this is how people, you know, young people, a lot of them, are making generational wealth on the internet in just a few years. And uh, that show actually was a little controversial. Got a lot of comments on that one. And Kevin's first venture resulted in a concurrent sort of side business, which he called Bulk by Hosting. And fast forward just a few short years, and it's evolved into his next venture. If you'd spoken to me like a year ago, two years ago, and said, hey, like, what do you think about going out and buying other businesses? I would have said to you, like, you're crazy. Like, I would much prefer to build my own thing. So today we're going to hear why Kevin has taken this new direction. And we're going to try to analyze his journey a little bit and get a sense for, you know, how long it's taken him to reach certain levels and how that might apply to the thousand day principle, which is something we talk about here often. I think it is true. When I switched from building affiliate sites to going down the process of building the hosting company, it was back to day one again. I started out this conversation by asking Kevin about his reset from his original Amazon Associates business. I think the, the big thing for me was I see hosting as being around for like another 10, 20 years. The small product review websites, which were the type of sites that we were building, I sort of started to see some of the Google algorithm updates across the last couple of years shift more and more towards like bigger sites, bigger brands for all those reviews, like all the stuff that we were talking about a couple of years ago where Business Insider and others were starting to throw that sort of content on their sites. For example, I mean, I Googled how to buy the right set of golf clubs for you the other day. And sure enough, Business Insider ranked like number six and they were monetizing through Amazon associate ads. Yeah, and like, you know, if you'd done that search three years ago, five years ago, you would have found like a bunch of smaller niche sites. And at the moment, the algorithms twisted more towards larger brands, larger authorities. Whether that will go the other way, I don't know. But for me, I start to see that this might be like, it'd probably be around for another three years, maybe five years, but I wanted to start focusing on something else. One thing we talk about all the time on the show is the importance of putting yourself in the room with other people who are getting it done. You know, growing online businesses doesn't mean you sit behind a laptop all day long. It shouldn't mean that. And 
It's great to get out there and get inspiration and ideas, but also to find role models, people that you can take a look at how they behave and how that's led to the results that they're seeing. This is definitely not something just for early stage entrepreneurs. Ian and I are trying to do this stuff all the time. And so when Kevin came to our event last year in Austin, Texas, he met someone who nudged him in a whole different direction to begin a new venture called ZoneNode. I had a really interesting chat with Richard Jalachandra, a former guest of the podcast, who was also speaking at the conference. What were you guys talking about? He was telling me all about the enterprise he's working on at the moment, where they're buying up a bunch of Amazon FBA businesses and rolling them up and using the same like shared backend support to run all these businesses. So it's a roll-up, essentially. It's a roll-up. It changed something in my mind. I decided, hey, I could basically do what he's doing with Amazon FBA brands, except with web hosting brands. And so while I was still in Austin, I actually acquired the first small web hosting company that we rolled into the Zonode brand. And then since then, I've acquired one other brand that's gone into Zonode, another brand that's remained its own, and I'm trying to negotiate a couple more deals at the moment. And do you want to share the numbers, which sort of level of capital you're investing in this kind of stuff? One of the deals we're looking at at the moment would be about half a million all in. Okay. And are you using all your own capital? Yeah. The own capital that we've got that we've taken off the table from selling Amazon affiliate sites, as well as like profits from the existing hosting business being uh, rolled into new acquisitions. You essentially generated a lot of this capital from your Amazon associate strategy and now you're deploying the capital on this new strategy of rolling up hosting companies. Correct. And like if you'd spoken to me like a year ago, two years ago and said, what do you think about going out and buying other businesses? I would have said to you like, you're crazy. Like I would much prefer to build my own thing. And then here I am, you know, two, three years later doing the, the reverse. And was there something that changed your mindset specifically? That chat with Richard. What did he say? I think when he started talking about the value that they had there where you could get such a high return, you know, like two, maybe three years top sort of payback period, it triggered something. And I said, hey, I've got capital. I can operate these things. Great. Let's go. Plus, for me, the other thing was once I started working with a team of people like running the support and all the rest of it, it just started to feel more like a quote unquote real business rather than you know, me running around with a small team of contractors and freelancers just knocking out a project and then moving on. Right. It's almost like making money through Amazon Associates sites can feel more like you're running a process as opposed to running a business. Yeah. They're a bunch more sticky as well where one of the acquisitions we're looking at at the moment, 75% of the customers have been with that brand for over 10 years. If you look at five years, it's about 90% of those customers have been with that brand for that sort of length of time. So the stickiness is there a lot more. Whereas like an Amazon associate site, I think of it as like the shark model, like a shark just needs to keep moving. And so for an affiliate site, it just needs to keep moving, keep getting new traffic off of Google. Whereas, you know, like a hosting business, those same customers will stay around for a long time. The last few years you came in really delivered a lot of sort of timely knowledge about the status of the Amazon ecosystem. I'm curious if you have any perspective about what's happening in 2018, 2019 in the Amazon ecosystem. What are some important trends that you see? 
in the Amazon affiliate space, which was the space we were operating heavily in, we're seeing more and more of those keywords even being targeted by Amazon themselves. So Amazon themselves now are starting to write those or create lists of, you know, the best golf clubs, which then makes the job of an affiliate a little bit harder. In addition to that, we're seeing more and more the the large brands, large media properties throwing that sort of content on their sites, which again is eating up spots in the, the top 10 and making it more difficult for people who are doing SEO to try and rank their small sites. Does it feel different for you now that you mentioned running a company, you know, you get to come on the show this year and in previous years, it was like, we're not going to mention what Kevin is working on, but trust us, it's real. And this knowledge is coming from real things. But now you come and you just say, I'm the CEO of Bulk Buy Hosting. We have a team. Does that change things for you? It's a bunch easier at like conferences. So... (laughs) We've just had like conference season between like DCBKK and the Chiang Mai SEO conference and being able to go in and just say, yep, my sole focus is hosting now. It's, you know, really easy to go, yeah, introduce who you are and what you're doing as opposed to previous years where you'd say, hey, like I run a portfolio of websites. I can't mention those URLs. What does your company look like? The company is fully remote. We don't have a physical office anywhere myself and Richard travel around so we've just spent six months traveling so three months in the US three months in Europe and we're now back in Chiang Mai we've got a support guy who's based in Australia we've got a support guy in South Africa and since the acquisitions we've now got a support guy in the US as well and between those three support guys we end up with 24-hour coverage across like all the major time zones It's pretty cool to have Kevin back on the show every year and see his journey continue to evolve. And I thought it might be interesting to get his take on the thousand day principle and how much it did or didn't apply to his journey. So the thousand day principle grew out of a blog post that I wrote back in 2012. And we'll link up to that in the show notes so that you can get a sense for it. But we're also going to read some extracts on the show here today. The basic idea though, is that it's going to take you around three years of full-time effort to build a business that creates an income similar to the one you got paid as a professional. And in my mind, that 1,000-day journey can be split up into five different categories or epochs, two of which actually start before day one of your 1,000 days. The first is the foundation. This is everything before you figure out you want to be an entrepreneur. The next epoch is the yearning. Now the yearning, depending on who you are, could be one day or a lifetime. The yearning is the period, and I think it's an important one, where you're starting to identify as someone who wants to be an entrepreneur, but you're not quite sure how to get started. And we'll talk about what that meant for you. The next epoch is the great hope. That's day one. That's the first year of these 1,000 days, one to 333. The next epoch is the grind, And then finally, the sunrise is year number three. Before we got on the pod, I I said, hey, Kevin, why do you think this is valuable? What does the thousand day principle contribute that, you know, not a million other books or podcasts haven't already contributed? The other thing that I associate with the thousand day principle is the Helsinki bus station theory. There's 
apparently a bus station in Helsinki with all the buses there, all the platforms are there. And as you leave on any of those buses, the first kilometer or so is the same. Past that is when all the buses and all the paths start to diverge. And so you hop on this bus because maybe you like the number 14. You start getting along the way a bit and it goes through the first kilometer and then it turns left towards the mountain. And you say, I'm not a mountain person. So then you don't waste time. You jump back, like get in a cab, head back to the bus station and start again on a different bus. And that one goes through the first kilometer and then rather than turning towards the mountain, it instead turns towards the beach. And you're like, okay, great. This is where I want to go. And goes for a while and then maybe diverts back to the city. And again, you say, I don't really want to be going towards the city. Catch a cab, back to the bus station, try and find the right one. Now, to me, the thousand day principle is a little bit similar. The core concept of the Helsinki bus station theory, though, is just stay on the bus. Because the one that started going towards the mountain might turn around and go to the city. And by staying on the bus, you'll eventually get to where you want to be. Let's flesh out the Helsinki bus station. I read the article. It's fascinating because I can relate to it. It's like that first kilometer out of the city. Let's break down the metaphor and start talking about business now. It's like all this kind of like easy, basic stuff that everybody does when they come up with a business idea. It's like, okay, I got to come up with a brand name. I got to like set up my website. I got to get a host. I got to incorporate in Wyoming. I got to, you know, and, and you're starting to get some traction and you're moving along. And then all of a sudden your bus starts heading towards the mountain and the mountain metaphorically is this moment when you know you call a customer and you need to like desperately get this deal and it turns out that like all your competitors underbid you or like they have better technology than you and you're like man you know i'm just like not doing as well as my competition there's so many of them you know and the mountain is like, let's say Amazon FBA, right? And so you're looking around and you're saying like, Amazon's starting to sell stuff. The big brands are getting involved now. And so, you know, maybe what I should do is go back to the bus station and like get on the Facebook ads marketing bus, you know? And the point of the article is stay on the fucking bus. And that's basically one of the, principles behind the thousand day principle, which is that you got to keep going and that eventually you're going to get into more and more rarefied bus stops where less people are getting off. Exactly. Just stay on the bus. It does get easier. Kevin, let's talk about your story. I want to start with the epoch of the foundation. So this is the time in your life and your career before you really knew about entrepreneurship, you know, I started my first business when I was 13. You know, at that stage, I was building small websites and earning a nickel a click from online advertising. And then at 14 and 15, I was designing websites for small businesses back in my hometown of Adelaide. So a lot of that had always been there. But equally, it was kind of a time of like knowing that, hey, the amount that I'm making from this is great as a 14-year-old. This isn't like a full-time living, like this isn't adult money. When I finished school, I worked as an IT support technician for a bunch of primary schools. And then I went and did my Bachelor of Education, became a teacher, did that for just under two years. Why'd you bail? It sucked. To get a permanent job, you have to go out into a disadvantaged school in the country. 
I was teaching IT and English and IT was very much seen as a dumping ground for the students who didn't want to be there. So this was like a small town. The biggest thing that they had was like the slaughterhouse. That was like the main industry, that and tourism. Of course, these people weren't really interested in IT at all. The actual teaching and all that for that group was not enjoyable. And I saw an opportunity back in the IT industry working with the state government. So I hopped back across to that. Was it hard for you to quit? I mean, you've studied for it. Yeah, it's the gravy train, right? A permanent government job in education. Like you could ride that out into the sunset. But by the end of the second term in that school, I was ready to quit. And a bunch of like friends and family said, no, just stick it out one more term, give it another shot. I stuck around the third term and just like on the final day of third term, it was the sports day. And I just went into the principal's office at the end of the day and said, I'm out. While I was doing my teaching degree, I was working in schools doing IT support. So I had the resume behind me and then forged a career for five years within state government, within a bunch of different departments, working on IT support stuff. Okay. So you were IT professional again. Were there entrepreneurial dreams during those five years? It was like the dip for entrepreneurial dreams because, you know, I'd obviously done the stuff when I was a teenager and growing up and had played around with it and figured that maybe the skill sets that I had might not be good enough to make a full-time living as an entrepreneur out of. I'd always want to be an entrepreneur, but there might not have been the money for me as like, you know, a freelance web designer or something like that. So it had sort of been put on the back burner for a while. What were you doing as an IT professional? Some of them I was in like a IT support call center. When I left teaching was Department of Transport. From there, I moved back to the education board. And that was a mix of like in-house desktop support. So actually physically going to people's desktops within the organization, as well as like phone support. Like a real freaking IT guy. You're the IT guy. Someone get Kevin in here, my mouse isn't working. Exactly. All right, everybody, for Christmas, I bought myself an ad spot on the podcast. I want you guys to go check out dynamitejobs.co if you haven't been there lately. I remember back when I used to have a sourcing manager that I worked with in China, and I still remember this email subject line he sent me one year. It was so surprising. The subject line was just this, new year, new job. And when I opened that email, it turned out that he wanted to leave the company he was working for and come work for me. And that was an enormous opportunity for me. So if you're looking for a new job in the new year, an enormous opportunity that can change your lifestyle, over at dynamitejobs.co, we only list jobs from legit companies that are providing jobs with a great deal of schedule and location freedom. Remote jobs means you don't have to go to an office, no more commute, and work for legit, interesting companies. So if you want a new job in the new year, Go check out dynamitejobs.co. Okay, so we have this epoch in your life from 2009 to 2013, which is your Kevin's the IT guy days. Let's then talk about this epoch. So we have our foundation, in other words. We have a kind of a sense for you as a young professional, your skill set. The next epoch, Kevin, is the yearning. And let me 
read from the original blog post. This is like, I got to dust this thing off. Before your 1,000 days or the yearning, and these are just some bullet points, not meant to be totally serious, you are hating your job, you quit your job and travel on savings, you are buying products from blogs that make a little money on how to make a little money with your blog, you talk about this stuff with your friends and family, you are failing at affiliate marketing, you try and partner up with your best friend or girlfriend or boyfriend. You are buying a bunch of domains, starting a bunch of projects, and stopping when the competition shows up. Does any of that uh, apply to you? (laughs) I think at least half of those dot points, maybe more than half of those dot points. What was the moment that you were like, man, I should be an entrepreneur? Do you remember something occurring? 2012, I started doing that as a bit of a side project. I'd go to work, you know, various SA government departments, and then come home and at that point in time I was building like small AdSense sites and then in 2013 I had a bit of a success like I had one of my AdSense sites start to take off a bit more and that was doing like a thousand fifteen hundred Australian dollars a month which was like okay if I built enough of these then I could start to go full-time quit my job and just focus solely on this which was around the time they started to discover like Spencer Hawes and Pat Flynn and all of those make money online guys. Did having the side projects change your attitude about your job? After a while, like it certainly did start to change things as you're like, well, my job was paying about 60K a year. And, you know, I could, if I built more successful sites, then I could start to do the math. And it made sense that it could overtake that income. The ability to just get up at whatever time in the day I wanted and, you know, start solely doing what I wanted when I wanted started to become very appealing. Was that the key driver for you or was it the travel stuff or the money stuff? Or That was the key driver, like the freedom and independence stuff. The travel stuff very much came later and it was only really when I started looking at if I moved somewhere else, I could quit a lot sooner. You know, and that's when like Davao and Chiang Mai and all those sort of places started to come on my radar was the cost of living in those locations was a bunch lower. So we're in 2013 now. We're hearing about your side project, your AdSense sites, you're starting to meet some people. You're still considering yourself in the yearning. So let's then move to day one or the great hope. So you stop playing around with your GoDaddy account and get to work on putting a buy now button on a website. You start calling potential clients, customers, and partners. You regularly use expressions like margin pressure or QC or whatever your industry gobbledygook is. You stop talking to your friends and family and start hanging out with entrepreneurs and people who can share your journey. You work out some funky deal for cash runway or you start working during your lunch breaks. You take on freelance work. You negotiate a severance package or leave your job. You ask friends for money like an idiot. You wonder what the fuck you're doing. Most everyone in your life thinks you should take a vacation and get back to your old self ASAP. Most people quit here. You do not. You have the eye of the tiger. So do you resonate with any of these bullets in the great hope here? Yeah. So I guess like in that the great hope phase, that's moving to Chiang Mai. That was quitting the job and moving to Chiang Mai. So tell me about that calculus. When did it happen? It was a night in June 2013. I was sitting at home as a Saturday night, and June and July is like peak winter in Australia. 
So a cold, wet winter's night. And so Saturday night at home with Richard, my partner, and we start going through all this and going, well, hey, like I've got this successful site and, you know, I could see the potential to build more and said, hey, we could go and move somewhere like Davao, which then later switched to becoming Chiang Mai for us and, you know, go full time on this project. And so we drew out this timeline that was going to take 12 months. So Richard was working as an accountant at the time. I was working my IT job and we drew out this timeline to basically get visas, quit our jobs, to move out of the house that we had, sell a bunch of stuff that we didn't need anymore and move to Thailand. And I said, well, why can't we make it 10 months? Why can't we make it nine months? And it eventually shrunk to a six-month timeline. And so on January 24, 2014, we landed here in Chiang Mai. How much money did you think you needed to make this move? I'm a research sort of guy. I like to get a bunch of data and, you know, create a plan and and work with it. I'd looked at a bunch of blogs and knew that the number was around 1500 USD a month for a couple to live over here. And you felt like you had that covered just from your one affiliate site. Yeah. And, you know, we had some savings as well. And, you know, that helps top up that runway as well. Tell me about your first few days in town. It was an exciting period because we're like, hey, you're actually, you're here to do the, the work. I remember like in those first few days thinking, well, if it all fails in 18 months, or whatever, then maybe I could get a teaching job over here, like anything to like just stick around. But of course, we didn't need that and the affiliate stuff started to work well. I think the the interesting things were like I'd never been to anywhere in Asia before, so everything was new. The scents, the food, the traffic, the chaos. I often look back on that those first few months like extremely fondly because it was such a great and interesting part of the journey and part of our lives. It's fair to say January 2014 was day one. You're like, I'm in. Yep. So now we're fast forward into 2015, January 2015. Roughly speaking, the second year or the epoch we'll call the grind. So you have customers, you have clients, you have too much work. You don't visit your family even though you are supposedly location independent. Your old friends think what you're doing is a fraud. You are chasing a dream. You don't have any money. Your business gets written up in that thing you wanted to be mentioned in. No clients come from it. Constant paranoia. What if my shit gets hacked? You get by with a lot of help and hustle. Stuff you could have never planned on starts working out. Clothing and dinners on the town used to be your indulgences. Now you'd take an extra virtual assistant. Your developers are totally fucking you over. You think, but you don't know that much about development yet. You've wasted a bunch of money on that one thing that you don't want to talk about. And you're trying to cut some deals, but they'll quote think about your proposal. The grind. What was that second year like for you in 2015? Well, I guess this is where we sort of diverge from the thousand day principle. So at the end of 2014, Rich and I moved back to Australia because that's what everyone was doing at the time. Everyone was like moving on from Chiang Mai and leveling up to, you know, living in Western countries. And why is that? I think a bunch of people had spent two years plus living out here and built businesses and were making good money as we were. And 
for us at that point, we'd replaced the income that we had made previously. We'd crossed the theoretical thousand day marker a bunch sooner. And my thought there is that maybe all the past work I'd done might have contributed towards that. But yeah, so we'd moved back to Australia. We were making good money. We were playing around with the idea of actually selling the first site that we'd built. What was that feeling like when you sold the first site? Just before landing in Chiang Mai, we'd sold the first one, which was like 3,000 USD. So tiny. And that was kind of, I guess, the last little bit of validation of like, hey, we could probably make some good money doing this. You know, build a bunch of small sites, which is what the AdSense flippers, now Empire Flippers guys were doing at the time. And, you know, we'll build a bunch of small sites, get them making a couple hundred bucks a month and flip them on Empire Flippers. At that time, we were, yeah, making some good money and we'd moved back to Australia. So family were around, but they still didn't quite understand what we'd been doing for a year. Going back to your question of selling the first site. The first big site. The first big site, yeah. So when we sold that site and that wire finally hit the account because there was like a couple of weeks of like verifying the traffic and earnings with the new owner. That was at the time the biggest property that Empire Flippers had sold to date. So that was a, a nice little moment to be like, you know, we're the big fish in their pond at that time. When the money finally cleared and the wire hit the account, you're like, okay, cool. Like if this all fell over tomorrow, we'd made some really good money for that last year and, you know, taken some chips off the table and had a really fun first year doing it. So how long did the Australia experiment last? Six months. Why did it fail? I think some of the issue with the Australia experiment was going back to a spot where nothing had really moved on for a year. All of my friends, all of Rich's friends were still working jobs and they can't just hang out on a Tuesday to go and grab some beers, which is something that's very common here in Chiang Mai. How relevant do you find the business networking like in bottom line terms here? Do you feel like all this fun and games and all the people in town contributes to your business's success? Yeah, definitely. It's not like a direct thing. So like I'm not going out doing the hand-to-hand combat of sales, but being in town and going out for drinks, going out for food, whatever, it slowly builds those connections for you. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be sitting across this table from you for the third year in a row on the podcast if it hadn't been for some of those, you know, connections I've made across the years here. Kevin, we are going to talk about the third and final epoch for today's episode and for your story, and it's called The Sunrise. You know, you had a bit of an early sunrise. You guys. And at least in terms of your, the results you saw, had gangbusters your first year in Chiang Mai. It's fair to say you exceeded your expectations. Yeah, like very much exceeded those expectations. What's the secret to that? Like, if you look back on that first year, you come in with the 3,000 bucks you made from the first small sale, you're making a couple grand off of another site. What was the secret? Not the process, the story, the narrative, like what actually made it work? I think, and this is where I I wonder whether affiliate website stuff doesn't quite follow the thousand day principle, or maybe it does in this weird altered variation of it. I've seen another example of 
a young guy from Denmark who came out here around this time last year. And at that time, he just started to go full-time on his affiliate stuff. And so like me, he'd played around with a bunch on the side, made a little bit of money on the side in the past. And then fast forward a year, he's like back here now and making 10 grand a month off that stuff. So I think potentially it either follows a shorter timeline because you don't have real clients. You know, it's not a quote unquote real business. It has a higher velocity to the way the cash is moving around. Yeah, definitely like a higher velocity to the ramp up. And I mean, it's a much higher profit business as well because, you know, it's not uncommon to operate these sites at 95 plus percent profit. It's an easy come, easy go thing too though, right? Yeah, for sure. Like you get hit with a Google penalty and it hurts. All right. So the third epoch here, we're going to call it the sunrise. So your friends start to ask, so what is it that your business does again? Family is thankful for your extended vacation time. Your VAs are doing decent work, but still pulling the disappearing act. You love to travel, but won't spend one day away from your inbox. Meeting other entrepreneurs becomes an enormous priority. You could make more money, but you think you'll hire somebody. You have too many business ideas to act on, whereas maybe in the early days, you didn't have a good idea. You're thinking, you know, this might just freaking work. It sounds like you had this realization very early on in the day, like, I am not going back to a job. Yeah, for sure. Like, once you start making a bunch of money, you're like, no, I really don't want to go back to a a regular job. What did it look like for you guys once you started having the momentum? It was a bunch of fun. Like, so the first thing we did with that was we thought we'd move back to Australia and then realized that sucked and went and lived in Berlin for a couple months, traveled Europe for a month and made plans to come back to Chiang Mai because we figured that the people doing the work that, you know, we connect with were here in Chiang Mai. And at that point, the late 2015 point was when I, per that example there, had a bunch of ideas, including starting an SEO hosting company because doing the hosting for all of my private blog network sites was really difficult and annoying. And you have so many ideas, like let's execute on one of them. And so that was when I started the thousand days over again, building the SEO hosting empire, which started with Bolt by Hosting. How did that idea come about? Prior to that, I was basically, I had a spreadsheet, well, two spreadsheets of all the hosting accounts for each one of my private blog network sites. I probably had 200 plus private blog network domains. It's quite a uh, headache managing that spreadsheet because you'd be buying these from small, you know, $1, $2 a month hosting companies. And a bunch of them were just run by, you know, people who would spin up a small hosting company. It would sit around for like six months. They'd get a handful of customers and then get bored with it and move on. And so then sometimes those web hosting companies would just disappear. So you knew in your mind that this was like an opportunity. You saw it like... Yeah, I knew it was a problem. And I basically went back to all the business basics of, okay, the first thing I did was like, I was sitting in Adelaide, like just before we came back to Chiang Mai and I was messaging a bunch of my friends who I knew ran private blog networks and said, hey, if I set this up, would you pay for it? And then just had to hit a scale to actually make that work in terms of actually making money from running one of those hosting accounts rather than losing money. Forget about the lifestyle freedom and all the traveling around to Berlin and you guys traveled America last year and all this kind of stuff. 
how long would it have taken you as an IT professional to build the level of wealth capital that you now control? And we're looking at this thousand day principle now. We're saying you started, you moved to Chiang Mai in January 2014 with making a couple of thousand bucks a month off of an AdSense site and a $3,000 sale that was sort of a proof of concept for your affiliate business. So we're talking about essentially four and a half years. Yeah. You're a spreadsheet guy. How long would it have taken you as the IT guy? So, I mean, around the time that we moved, like the first thing I was looking at for freedom was actually residential real estate. And so we'd done a few deals where we bought a block of vacant land and then had a house put on it because one of the ways that you can make money in residential real estate is in that gap between the perceived value of a finished house versus the actual costs of buying an empty block of land and having a house built on that land. And so we built a few properties in rural South Australia and then we're renting them out and you know collecting a small amount of money. And this was yet another bus you guys were on. So when you're asking the question of you know how much capital would I control now, it would be a lot less than we do control at this point in time, but we were slowly starting to make steps towards, you know, growing that net wealth. I see. So you weren't never going to be the IT lifer, essentially. I was never going to be the IT lifer. And it was just a case of which vehicle would get me there, which bus would get me there. So let's go back to this Helsinki bus theory then, because now something popped into my head, which is the difference in the type of information that you have at different points on the bus route. So the idea is that if you stay on the effing bus, you get in more rarefied stations out further from where everybody else is hanging out. You know, you're starting to zig and everybody else is zagging or you are in special, ideally profitable places. The sort of information you're going to get back at the station is like, Hey, you know, working on Amazon's a good idea. Moving to Chiang Mai and doing internet stuff works for some people. Working a side project and doing residential real estate is a good opportunity. You know, this kind of like basic, general, directional information that you can start to act on. But it feels to me like what happened with you, you're on this affiliate marketing bus. And all of a sudden, one of the stops is a train station. So you're calling up 10 people that you know that are going to buy it the next day. Because those relationships are part of the knowledge, right? It's part of the practice. And now all of a sudden, that train, nobody can get on that from the bus stop in the city. Yeah, it's very much, you know, one that you've worked your way to across a a long period of time and, you know, built up those relationships. And also going back to real business basics of, okay, step one is like validate the idea, speak to a bunch of people, see if people will actually pay you money for this which is very different to building an affiliate business. You know, there's not business basics in that. Like You just throw up a site, start putting some links at it, and hope that it ranks. Whereas you know, when I started building the hosting company, it was you know, started to build a real business of all those sort of things, of validate the idea and then get started. So 1,000-day principle, is it true or not? Does it even matter? I think it is true. When I switched from building affiliate sites to going down the process of building the hosting company, it was back to day one again. That yearning of actually 
building a real business that had been coming up during 2015. And then, you know, actually day one, the great hope. So the great hope was as we were leaving Adelaide and, you know, I was chatting to a bunch of people about, hey, I'm going to build this SEO hosting company. Then the grind? Then the grind. What was the grind? One specific memory from like the grind that sticks out was during 2016 was Richard's 30th birthday and the hosting company that bought by hosting had been running for about six months at that time and we were taking a trip to the Azores off the coast of Portugal for his birthday because that's one of the best spots to go whale watching in the world. You're location independent, like let's go. Doesn't sound like a grind. (laughs) The grind is like every day I'm jumping in there to do customer support tickets. It's Richard's birthday and I'm needing to like take 30 minutes an hour out of my morning to do a bunch of support tickets and you know keep working on building out that business we just tried to hire a virtual assistant who was going to cover me for this trip and then dropped out like nice you're hitting the bullet points man (laughs) and then the sunrise of course there had been a moment when you were like wow this hosting thing was that the moment when you were talking with richard yeah so that would have been Earlier this year, DC Austin, chatting with Richard Chalachandra and starting to see the profits roll in from this business a bit and, you know, having a team of a couple guys actually handling all the support and having a developer on board who we're probably overpaying for. (laughs) And, you know, going through all that and getting some new ideas of maybe we can start again on this thousand days again. And, you know, this new thousand days is buying a bunch of web hosting companies and integrating them into one overall larger company. So if we go back to your idea from before, like maybe the first business, the affiliate stuff was the bus. And then, as you said, like we found the train station and started building the web hosting company. Maybe I'm at the airport now, you know, going out and actually buying all these companies because acquisition entrepreneurship to me feels like a plane taking off. That's an interesting point because I think you know, that's one of the things that Richard Jolly Chanda talks about is you can buy yourself a plane ticket, like a business that's already at altitude. You do not have to go through a thousand days at all. You just buy a business that exists and all of a sudden you get yourself a big leather chair and you sit there and you call yourself CEO. Boom. You know, through the acquisition stuff, like so much of it is de-risked already. Like someone else has gone through the grind and, you know, been through all of that and built this company. Yeah. Not to mention that If we're going to go to the great hope, the last bullet point is most people quit here. And that's one of the few bullet points that I wasn't joking around. And quit's just part of it. A lot of people just straight fail. If you buy a business that's made it through this process, you're defending against being one of the who knows how many multiples more that utterly failed. And that could just as easily be me and you happens all the time if people sell a business and instead of using you know their old business to get them to the train station or whatever and then the airport they go back to the platform and they think that it's going to the process is going to be accelerated for them and a lot of times it's just not just to talk through that a tiny bit as well like from late last year i initially thought that maybe the next business would be like SaaS businesses like building software as a service businesses and so I acquired a small SaaS business and tried to relaunch that, remarket that, and it went terribly. And so I shut that down like two months ago. There's definitely failures still out there to be had. 
Absolutely. Well, Kevin, keep flying. Thanks for uh, joining us here at the TMBA pod. We appreciate it. It's great to be back yet again. Hey, big thanks to Kevin for swinging by the show for the third year running. Let's make it a fourth, Kev. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts. I'd be curious to hear the listeners' take on this. What do you think of the thousand-day principle? What do you think about this Helsinki bus station theory? Ever since I've discovered it, now I continue to think more and more about this idea. One of the things that's been going through my brain is a lot of times experienced entrepreneurs think that they can skip a few stations when they go back. And one of the things Kevin pointed out is that he felt like he was going back to day one. And certainly with Dynamite Jobs, I feel like we're going back to day one in some respects. Some things are easier, but still, I think it's easy to underestimate all the energy, all the effort, all the crazy things that went right. What you did getting through those thousand days and surviving is really remarkable. Chapeau to you, thousand day journeyer. And for those of you on the journey, we wish you the best of luck. Hope this program contributed in some small way to uh, that eventual success. Why don't you come back next week? We'll be back Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And by the way, if you want to check out the links, comment on this one, let us know your thoughts. We're going to post this one up at tropicalmba.com slash Helsinki Bus Theory. And as always, we'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.